Welcome to Scandinavian Mind Weekly, our show about the current trends and events within business, tech, fashion, culture, design, and more from the Nordic perspective of our team of editors and contributors. Today on the program, we take a look at how the fashion and tech communities are responding to the war in Ukraine, both on a local as well as a global level. From fashion sample sales and NFT projects to H&M and IKEA suspending their businesses in Russia. Also, we are launching a new podcast. We give a sneak peek of our new format, Con later in the program. I'm Conrad Olsen, Editor-in-Chief and founder of Scandinavian Mind, and I'm here with my dear colleagues Roland Philipp Kretschmar, Editor-at-Large, and Eric Sedin, Junior Editor. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. How are you feeling, Eric? I'm good. I'm perfect. Getting there. I just can't yeah, stop Eric. myself from being sick, apparently. No immune system <laughs> yeah. left. Well, it has certainly been a week. I've been up in the mountains with my family and, uh, you know, pretty much every day we've been monitoring the situation in Ukraine, talking about the uh, developments uh, of the war. Um, and, uh, you know, we're covering sort of fashion and design and, and potentially kind of superficial subjects. But, you know, after a while, everything uh, is related to what's happening in the world. And uh, what we did uh, Wednesday, just a couple of days ago, we took took a look at some of the uh, initiatives and reactions that the sort of fashion and tech communities had on, on the war. I feel like uh, this, is, this was just scratching the surface. Uh, three days later, two days later, uh, there's been so much more activity. So I thought we'd take a look at that and um, uh, kind of the dynamics behind it, who's doing what and who's not doing uh, enough. Um, so for me, just on a local level, uh, we saw sort of the first reactions coming out from obviously um, from the, the Instagram feed and Twitter feed. Um, I think a few interesting things that happened was that the Danish fashion community went out with, with one initiative super fast. Um, We've seen examples in in Stockholm where uh, they initiated uh, fashion sample sales. Maybe it sounds like a superficial thing, but but where all the proceeds uh, will go to uh, to Ukraine uh, and the victims there. Pretty much all the the major um, organizations have uh, come out against uh, uh, Russia's invasion and encouraged their followers, their communities, uh, to act. And um, so I think the the um, the question quickly became uh, why things didn't happen on a global uh, level. And I thought we, we, we should talk about this uh, dynamic uh, a little bit. Um, Roland, from, from your perspective, uh, you've covered this as well, I'm sure. Uh, what have you seen or not seen? I mean, I just want to comment on your observation related to uh, kind of geographical activities uh, or, or, or geolocated activities so mm. i guess and again i'm not a political expert here so a disclaimer you know um but i guess that in the nordics we have a history of being very kind of sensitive to all the uh, actions ta- uh, taking place in russia generally mm. speaking i mean it goes hundreds hundreds of years back um, so maybe that is kind of the simple answer, you know, that we reacted very fast in the Nordics because of the history that we have, the, the complicated relationship to Russia. Um, 
but then maybe also because we have generally a very humanitarian view on the world and you know we we just have a we we have taken a position in the world to be um to be at the forefront of humanity to to you know to, to try to support um countries where who are in war or where there are conflicts and you know the, it it seems to me that it's 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 uh ingrained into our culture that does not mean that you you wouldn't have the same kind of behaviors in southern europe or elsewhere in the world but um i think i think in the nordic region it is definitely a very big part of society and how we function also as individuals yeah for, yeah for sure and i think especially in the nordic especially sweden and and finland have a you know a special relationship because we're not in nato and finland is you know obviously a neighboring country uh just some of the things that happened there there was a um uh, an initiative called Copenhagen for Ukraine, a group of uh, uh, friends and brands from from Copenhagen that went together and and uh, um, initiated a mobile pay uh, solution for for uh, sending money to the Danish Red Cross. Um, it, we it, the in Sweden in Stockholm we have the the PR agency Ibeo Studios that quickly arranged this sort of. Uh, uh, um, uh, fashion sample sale where they pulled together brands uh, and asked them to to give garments and 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 create the sample sale. I think this is happening this weekend. Uh, also on this sort of <laughs> NFT front, we have uh, Patrick Arneson, the the founder of uh, um, Forza Football, uh, uh, famous sort of NFT profile in in Sweden. He quickly put together uh, a, a, a charity. Um, with uh, a special piece by Philip Posada, so it will be minted in 43 million editions, uh, which I'm, I'm guessing is like that's not even a cap. That's just making sure everyone <laughs> have the ability to 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 buy this with 100 uh, percent of the, the population of Ukraine. By the way, 43 I'm sorry. Million. Isn't that the population number of Ukraine? For the oh, that's know. what it is. It is. Ah, it's one course. for every U- Ukrainian yeah, citizen. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's why it is. It was 100% of these proceeds would go to to um, local charities. Obviously, I think um, Patrick also has a special relationship to Ukraine. He has lived there and has, uh, or at least had, employees there uh, uh, before before the the war started. So I qu- the question then becomes because what really sparked my attention to this issue is uh, one of the first things that came out is. A photographer called uh, uh, Maciek Kobielski. He's a he, he's of Polish descent. He lives in New York. He's worked a lot with Wall Street Journal magazine and uh, and many other big fashion magazines. I've actually worked with him once when I was editor in chief of, of Plaza. He came out with a very uh, strong post on Instagram uh, called. He, he just said, "War in Ukraine: Luxury brands and publications. What do you stand for?" Really, sort of uh, urging. Um, urging uh, the commute the international fashion community to to take a stand and this was this was five days ago this was Monday so mm. at that point you know nothing much had happened I think the first couple of international fashion brands that did something was uh, first of all Armani who decided to uh, you know ho- still host his uh, show at Milan Fashion Week so Milan Fashion Week was was uh, um, running at the same time which if you you know if you follow my Instagram feed, made uh, made it quite quite uh, um, uh, quite a quite a weird feed, weird weird curated feed because I both had updates on Ukraine and updates from Milan Fashion Week, kind of street style. Um, 
But anyways, uh, Giorgio Armani himself uh, decided to host the show completely without music. I'm sure that was a kind of a last minute decision, whatever he could do. And um, he said it was a very uh, personal decision. I think shortly thereafter, Balenciaga came out and just emptied its Instagram uh, uh, feed and with just a, a, a photograph of um, the Ukraine uh, flag. So that was too major. And I think then the question kind of became, what of the rest of the guys? What of LVMH? What of Caring Group? How will they respond? Um, and I have some thoughts on that, but I just wanted you, you, you guys' reaction to those initial sort of uh, uh, response from, from, from these brands. Uh, Roland. I mean, I just have a kind of a, yeah, as you say, an initial comment. So... <laughs> This is uh, obviously a sensitive topic, um, generally. Um, sometimes when there are these kind of world-reaching conflicts or crises uh, and, and we have um, you know, brands engaging or celebrities or influencers, it's usually quite superficial. So when I saw the, the silent catwalk show of George Armani, I was like, bloody hell, what is this? This is ridiculous. This is just, you know superficial attempt to make um to scream into nothingness <laughs> you know <laughs> it, 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 i I, th I thought basically it was ridiculous but what has happened since and this is where when it becomes interesting is that all the major fashion houses have now started to dedicated real resources i mean they are investing money into um different organizations and ngos and they are donating proceeds from from auctions uh, sales they are you know they are engaging with with real assets money time uh, resources not just you know doing these kind of symbolic um shout outs uh, which could be perceived as superficial and and um, not uh, making any major effect so i think that has been for me the biggest surprise how fast it went from zero comments to superficial attempts to comment to actually do something very tangible uh donating millions and millions and millions of dollars and euros into this cause but it was interesting what you said there about uh, these like uh, superficial statements that don't really uh, do anything i i don't know if you guys saw the lvmh uh, statement that they posted on their instagram yeah which mm -hmm. was first of all i think it's good because they i think they were gonna they're gonna donate five million euros uh, to the Red Cross uh, IRC, ICRC. So mm. it's the International Committee of the Red Cross. So it's not like the Red Cross in Ukraine, but five million euros, like it's a lot of money. It's not just like but that's what I mean, Eric. But that that came later during the week, right? So in the yeah, beginning, yeah. there were more kind of these superficial commentaries, like having a silent fashion show. Who, who bloody cares in Ukraine about yeah. the silent fashion <laughs> yeah. show? Yeah, I agree. You know, it's ridiculous, to be honest. Exactly. But donating 5 million euros, to, to uh, that, that can make a change or, you know, changing production units in factories or, you know, supporting um, with, with manpower, uh, yeah, so that that was basically my comment. Yeah, yeah but just to go on on that LVMH uh, like statement, I think they were kind of like they probably have a lot of Russian consumers, you know, a lot of rich people wanting wanting to buy LVMH products of all sorts. And I think if you read this statement, it's kind of like they're not really taking a stand against Russia. They're just like talking about a conflict. They're talking about their employees in this conflicted area. 
which I think not, it's nice enough that they're like giving all this money. That's very clear and that's really good. But I've also noticed how some of these guys are not really saying we're against Russia. We're not. We're against this invasion. They're just saying, oh, we're we're really sorrow sorry to hear about this conflict yeah. and we want to monitor monitor the situation. You know. You're right. I think it's, yes, I mean, it's different. Course. Different wordings can mean so much, at least to me. No, but you're right. And, I, and, and given all the sanctions now, I mean, one way to kind of invest and, and secure assets is to is to buy luxury goods and products. And I mean, we've yeah, seen that with uh, uh, cryptocurrency uh, that has uh, soared in the past week. Uh, we and, mm -hmm. and obviously also uh, luxury uh, spend uh, coming from from Russia apparently is also soaring because of you know mm -hmm. securing assets. So yeah, yeah. you're right. That, and and this is why it's a sensitive topic, right? Uh, so yes, on the other hand, LVMH are doing a good thing. On the other hand, they are not taking any, they don't have an opinion in the cause. And this is, I would say, the difference from what we see in the Nordics, that the Nordic companies, mm -hmm. at least, and I'm not monitoring every single local newspaper, so I don't know if it happens <laughs> in other countries as well. But at least in the Nordics, in Sweden, Swedish companies, they are publicly now um going against russia the invasion the legal invasion they're stopping production taking away um yeah so so i think that is the the, the big shift right yeah i mean it's obvious it's a i think i would say it's a stark contrast between the lvmh groups uh, uh their post on instagram where they're, they're not talking about war they're talking about a tragic situation in ukraine exactly even though and they're sta they're standing alongside those severely affected so they're they're kind of making general Russians. claims about people yeah. uh, in this in this you know situation as they call it whereas um h&m mm -hmm. group and ikea uh have made much much uh, stronger stances Ca ikea has cancelled all production uh, all import and export in and out of, of Russia, uh, affecting 15,000 uh, employees from, from what I understand. Um, and just, I don't know how, how long they will uh, continue with that, but just the optics of it is just so much stronger uh, mm -hmm. fr from those guys than than uh, the, the luxury community and i haven't seen anything from from sort of the if, if you go into the sort of watch and jewelry and that sort of arena of of luxury uh, i haven't seen anything and i think there's a great sort of uh, great i don't think that's the right word but there's a strong tradition within uh you know luxury watchers and luxury uh um uh, consumer goods uh, to be very neutral uh, in in these situations, and the I think that the comments I read was that they they kind of lean on that tradition and say that we are traditionally uh, not taking a stance. We are operating across the world and and so forth. So, but I think in a situation like this, uh, that type of uh, non-action uh, speaks you know volumes. And and I I, I would actually say that I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give. Giorgio Armani credit for, for doing that show in silent because no one else was doing anything at Milan Fashion Week at that point. So just doing okay. something in, in this delicate situation uh, in this industry that, that's doing so little uh, speaks volumes. But then, of course, you have to follow it up with real action and, and real sanctions and or, or uh, you know, sending real money or, or like really affecting trying to affect the situation. Yeah, so I, I agree with you, obviously, that it's, it, it's better to do something. But again, I doubt that the, the population of Ukraine thinks that uh, having a silent fashion show in, in Milan is going to change anything. That was my point. Um, no, of course, but I, I do to... think it changes the, the trajectory of the conversation in the fashion industry that, you know, a few days later led to LVMH having to do something. 
Um, yeah. So part of this is communication. Part of it is, is true action. Yeah, and, and, and then I, I need to comment uh, H&M. I mean, yes, now they are going out and taking a stand, but they were actually planning to open a few new stores in Russia this week. And they were forced, I would say, uh, as a reaction to, to um, media attention and, and, and media coverage to um, postpone those openings. I mean, they were literally about to open a new Arcade store in, in, in Moscow this week. Yeah. They were planning to continue to open it even after the invasion. Yeah. And then when media um, <laughs> kind of started to, to um, cover that, obviously they, they, they had to pause the, the opening, etc. Uh, so, you know, in all honesty, it feels a bit superficial, hypocritical. Uh, if, if they would follow the business rationale, they would co- open the store regardless of the invasion. So, you know, now that does not say that um, changing one's opinion in a very complex polit- geopolitical situation is wrong. Of course, that's fantastic. If mm. they genuinely think that, you know, they have to change their position. But I doubt it. You know, I, I think we will see a normalization. That's my, that my bet here. In the, I mean, for the next three to six months, um, there is very little, I mean, very few signs, unfortunately, that Russia will stop the, the invasion. Uh, yeah. They will most probably succeed in invading uh, Ukraine, and that will then lead to a normalization. So I, my guess is that, you know, let's say three, six, nine months from now, <laughs> H&M will open up their stores in Moscow and all the f- luxury companies will continue to sell to Russians. You know, the, 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 nothing will have changed. Hmm. No, I mean, the, 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 the scope of the sort of uh, cutoff of Russia from the rest of the world, um, I, I think that's where the, the each, each and everyone's contribution makes, uh, makes a difference. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, obviously, I think uh, things like cutting off uh, uh, SWIFT, uh, um, uh, you know, cutting off airspace, that type of stuff makes, a, you know, obviously a bigger, uh, a bigger change in terms of um, cutting off Russia from from the rest of the world, but but as you say, I mean Russia is one of the biggest markets in the world. It's got you know a population of what is it, 150 million or or, or so, um, and uh, I guess eventually the the um, the situation will become: Are we not going to serve those people with uh, you know consumer goods and and and, and so forth? Um, which I, I think leads us to. Very low. I mean, Poland is a big country by numbers of people and and and, and size. But the BNP is the size of, of South Korea. So, you know, in, in, on, on a global scale, it's, it's not such a big economy, actually. Um, and this is why it's also quite interesting that um, we, we have kind of a biased view from the West mm. uh, when we look at this. Um, and I, I would say also um, looking at it from, I mean, again, I'm no expert here. <laughs> this is my personal opinions. But to my, my own analysis, looking at it from Putin's perspective, I don't think he cares at all about the sanctions, zero about the sanctions. He has calculated the risks. He knows right. what, you know, what, what's going to happen um, for him personally, for, for his kind of oligarchs and his closest supporters, zero change in, in, in direction. Uh, I don't think the sanctions will stop anything, to be honest. It's only going to uh, make the Russian population suffer. Let, let's take take uh, take a look at this from another angle, uh, and from 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 the angle of tech, which uh, have the similar 
um, implications in, in, in doing that. There's been a lot of um, uh, chatter around should Facebook uh, cut down their operations? Should we cut off the, the Russian people from, from these services? Uh, we have seen some action um, from the big tech giants. I think uh, I know Apple and Google have sort of limited their, their, um, uh, their maps uh, uh, capabilities. I think mm-hmm. Facebook uh, um, cut off the ability for cut off the you know many of the the Russian state-owned uh, media um, entities uh, also cut off the ability for Russian uh, um, you know operations to to uh, advertise on the platform. Um, uh, what else have you seen from the from the tech space, and do you think it's enough? I think, uh, like you said. Uh... I'm usually, well, I am a bit worried about the Russian population first, because if all these tech companies like Facebook, Snapchat, like the big ones, Google, if they just pull out all their, pull out, pull the plug on all the servers in Russia, the people won't really know what's going on. Because, of course, you're going to be led astray by Russia Today and Sputnik, uh, like the state media owned news channels. So it's important that these guys still exist there, but they're still doing some, some sanctions. Like you said, both Facebook, Snapchat and Twitter are removing ad sales for both Russian and what I thought was interesting, Belarusian entities. So they can't, you know, make money out of ad sales on there. And also Spotify, if we're going a bit back to Scandinavia, Spotify has uh, closed down all of their Russian uh, offices and all of their employees have have been uh, cut off. Uh, also is, um, after some media pressure, Eric, again, yeah, yeah, I know. To do that, the same as H&M. So they are forced by media to do it. Exactly. It's uh, a bit uh, hypocritical from our, like, I, like you said, us Scandinavians, we like to like big, our, big ourselves up and we're humanitarian, but perhaps it was all uh, like pressure from other countries that made us do it. Uh, but Spotify has also yanked like uh, Russia Today, they have a podcast. Uh, Sputnik News also has podcasts. They've uh, taken those away from Spotify too. But Spotify is still available in Russia. Uh, also, if you look at uh, Apple, Apple has you know passed, like I said, passed in quotation marks, all sales in Russia. So all the stores are closing and nothing is coming in or out uh, for now. So, but like you said <laughs> before, uh, Roland, it's only paused. So how many months will it take before it's normalized and before things are going back to normal? But for now, this is obviously. I think like the youth of, uh, of Russia will probably wonder like, why can't we get the latest tech? Why can't we get a new iPhone or the new MacBook if new ones are being released? This is the things that I think um, affects the population the most when they realize, well, we're like falling behind the West, uh, the Western world of in tech and innovation and stuff. One These observation really... I made in the area of tech is um, how few reports I've seen at least on uh, having hacker groups uh, doing attacks on, on, on Russian entities. Yeah. Uh, that says something also about the, the I would say, the, the power uh, and, and the knowledge there is in the Russian security forces or surveillance forces. Well, I don't know what you call it, right? But I mean, they, they definitely have a leading position globally in, in when we talk about cyber war. Mm-hmm. Um, and the few, very few, few uh, accounts I've seen about hacker groups trying to impact Russia. I mean, it's all failed because the Russians are basically better. Yeah, um, there's been a few stories on Wall Street Journal had a, had a big story, and and also I think New York Times about uh, both anonymous and some other hacker groups. Yeah. 
um, uh, you know, closing down the uh, the Moscow Stock Exchange uh, bank website, sort of trying to create uh, confusion. I have not read anything about you know Russia's uh, you know own sort of uh, cyber warfare actions uh, um, regarding th- this conflict, but but there has been some chatter they around. Um, all Ukraine's uh, media outlets, all the banks. I mean, prior the week prior to the invasion, so you know for weeks and months prior to the invasion, Russia did um, numerous attacks on 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 Ukraine infrastructure um, to kind of prepare for for the invasion. So. Uh, but I think also the the, the, the let's say uh, the reports on 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 anonymous etc. So you know they closed down the the exchange for a couple of minutes. I mean it's very very little impact. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just you know giving some sort of flavor to this that I think we have to change the narrative here from for, in the West. Russia is going to succeed in invading Ukraine. And what implications will that have? I think we we live uh, in, in a lie at the moment, where we tell ourselves that you know oh, so, some sort of magic is going to happen, that suddenly Putin is going to stop and say, "Oh, now, okay, sorry, <laughs> I'm pulling back my forces." Right. That's not going to happen. I'm sorry. I mean, we just have to be realistic and pragmatic mm. in discussing this. Uh, yeah, I think what's left to be seen is uh, uh, what, what I was talking about before, like how long will we be able to cut off Russia from the rest of the world? Will they be essentially be a new yeah. kind of North uh, Korea in, in that sense? I mean, there was a story out in, in Swedish Dagens Nyheter the other day about how, you know, it's 80 years of, of relationships between Finland and Russia that have mm-hmm. now completely stopped. Uh, yeah. And that's, of course, sort of frightening for us in, in, in the Nordics here that, you know, the, the diplomatic channels are, are completely uh, silent. So how will this affect, uh, you know, the rest of the world's relationship to Russia and how, you know, Putin seems, you know, obviously strong, military strong. I'm sure he has, uh, you know, financially, he's financially sound, at least for, for himself and, and for his for his his closest advisors. So what will the situation be? Will there be kind of like a new uh, Cold War? And I think then if we're looking at that situation, I think tech will play a much bigger role than the, the previous Cold War. Yes, uh, because definitely. the the ability to, uh, you know, send information, the ability to send value uh, will will play a huge role in this. And there's already talks about how, how, how important blo- um, uh, cryptocurrencies uh, are have become in this situation because you know on the on the one hand you have these you know extremely wealthy oligarchs who is now seeing their the rubles uh, plummet in value obviously they're they're going for for both sort of luxury goods and and uh, real estate and and i i think also blockchain uh, uh, cryptocurrencies to to sort of save their their wealth uh, but we're also seeing um uh, a rise in in cryptocurrencies in ukraine where where um, you know, activist groups and, and people, uh, you know, cut off from the traditional financial system are using uh, cryptocurrencies to, to operate. So I think we're going to see a completely new landscape. I don't think this uh, um, conflict will be over anytime soon. We're, we're obviously smack in the middle of, of the beginning of it. But, but mm. there is something interesting uh, that's going to play out on a, on a tech uh, arena here. Definitely. No, I definitely agree with you. And um... 
I mean, there there are uh, you know accounts that uh, this has been repeated now for the past five to ten years that you know Bitcoin is the new gold, etc. And, and I think maybe in these kind of crises, you see the value of cryptocurrency as being a, 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 a relatively stable alternative to fiat currency. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, I follow cryptos, um, crypto valuations uh, on a daily basis. It's extremely volatile. I mean, mm. just now um, in the past 24 hours with the, when the Russians seized this uh, nuclear plant in Ukraine, Bitcoin dropped, ETH dropped, all the other, other, other cryptocurrencies dropped after a ma- massive increase earlier this week. So, you know, it's still extremely volatile. Um, but you're right. I, I, I think this is going to cement cryptocurrency moving forward, definitely. Um, but it will probably also increase uh, the speed of regulating crypto because uh, as, as obviously this is a, an opportunity for sanctioned oligarchs to place their money and assets uh, in, in, in another way. Obviously, then uh, big nations such as the US, UK and others are going to try to restrict that moving forward. So I, I see probably faster regulations of crypto as a consequence of this. Uh, and, and then uh, I would probably uh, compare uh, the future state of Russia to Iran and its position mm. in the, on the global arena, maybe more than, than North Korea. North Korea is an anomaly and, and you know, it's, it's kind of a, a storybook example. But um, Iran, I think, is, is a more relevant comparison. They operate on the global arena. They have a clear position. Um, they have survived 40 year, years of dictatorship. Uh, or, 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 uh, you know, suppression, um, and and they operate quite freely. I would say, uh, regardless of the sanctions. Um, so, I would forecast that Russia will either have to turn back towards Europe, and 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 we we might get positively surprised, or I think they will end up like Iran. Again, Roland, I wanted to ask you just uh, to end on this topic. uh, What have you seen in the art world, which you are are covering, uh, you know, avidly? What what has the reaction been there? I mean, among artists, uh, obviously a lot of engagement, um, but also hesitance. Uh, I I have not seen any of the major artists taking a stand in this, which is quite surprising, where you would say from the fashion community, you, you actually see individual designers taking a stand, even if the, the, the fashion houses are not. Um, then when it comes to galleries, I mean, honestly speaking, I'm personally extremely disappointed, very little or no action at all. Mm. It's business as usual, you know. Um, among the blue ship galleries, and, and, and by that, uh, you know, we mean... The big global players, Goshen, Pace, uh, Hauser & Wirth, uh, etc. It's only Pace Gallery that has taken publicly a uh, position, donating money to, um, to uh, UNICEF. Um, but no other blue ship galleries or even local galleries in Sweden have taken any position. I'm extremely surprised. A tradition in the art world is where we might see political commentary uh, there's some sort of radicalism in the art world, right? It's part of the kind of uh, the DNA of the art world, right? Uh, but in my honest opinion, I think the fashion world is much more progressive at the moment than the art world. Well, and that's kind of saying something, isn't it? <laughs> it's. it's uh, I, I don't even know. It's too early for me to 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 understand why this is. 
I mean, obviously, uh, there, there is um, follow the money, right? <laughs> so obviously, a lot of the big buyers are coming from Russia yeah. and also from other parts of the world where you might have conflicts. I mean, China, big spend, uh, spend on art, Saudi Arabia, the Middle East, big spend mm. on art. They are all, let's say, friends or unofficial friends to Russia. That is part of the narrative here, right? Uh, so I think we have to look also beyond Russia when we talk about the sanctions or the, the inactions from luxury and art that we also have all the other kind of <clears throat> friends of Russia that are spending huge amounts of money, maybe even more. Um, so, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm personally disappointed. Let's see uh, if we see some changes in the next couple of weeks. I doubt it, to be honest. Um, one major, let's say, uh, discussion or conflict has been around Philips, the auction house, because it is uh, majority owned by a Russian oligarch whose name I, I have now forgotten. But <clears throat> they have had uh, a lot of uh, challenges online and social media related to this. They actually did something great. I think it was yesterday. Uh, they had a big auction and they have now donated all their uh, auction premiums, which I think was 5.8 uh, million pounds sterling uh, to humanitarian causes related to uh, the Ukrainian invasion. Uh, so uh, that I think is quite courageous to be honest because they are actually still majority owned by a russian oligarch that is um you know close friend to uh, putin so let's see where we evolve with that yeah well this is obviously going to be a situation that we will keep monitoring from the, the sort of lens of, of the nordics and the, uh, the the topics that we cover i just want to end with uh, uh, one snapshot i saw on uh, Johan kelman lars on a famous uh, a literary writer here in stockholm he posted a photo or reposted a photo from the russian bookstore in stockholm which had uh hung the ukrainian flag on its entrance so uh, maybe there's uh, there's a little bit of a, uh, a hope there that the, this is not about the re entire Russian population. It's about power and leadership as always. All right, we're going to end with some news on the Scandinavian Mind podcast landscape. We're uh, actually going to widen our offering in the next few weeks. Going to launch uh, two new shows starting with next week with a new show uh, completely uh, hosted by Roland. It's called Konst. It's going to be about the art world. Roland, uh, what are we going to expect from this new show of ours? Well, first, uh, I need to thank you, Conrad, for this opportunity. You know, I, I think um, Scandinavian Mind is the perfect platform for Konst and, and for uh, non-Swedish or non-Scandinavian listeners. Konst literally means art in Swedish. Um, I, I think there is room for a, an art podcast, not only in Scandinavian, but actually globally, which is looking more into the future of art. Um, not uh, looking back backwards so much, um, trying to take the temperature on contemporary art, what's buzzing right now at the moment, what are the interconnections between, uh, you know, the artists, uh, galleries, the financial arena, politics, as we discussed previously on the show today, um, you know, having a broader perspective, but also exploring really the future of art. Um, so I'm very excited about this. Um, we will... Um, 
have uh, both uh, co-hosts and guests in every episode. And um, in the very first episode, which will be launched uh, next week, uh, so basically early March, uh, it's going to feature Michael Elmenbeck, who is a Swedish gallerist, art dealer and um, uh, collector. Uh, and we also have a fantastic guest, Destiny Ross Sutton, who is an African-American uh, curated gallerist and, and uh, art promoter. Uh, and it's uh, seriously, the conversation is super interesting. It touches on some of the challenges coming out. Uh, of the BLM movement and African-American art, the, the, the challenges in the African-American art scene. But actually, when you listen to the episode, there is a lot that you can relate back to being a human being, how to manage conflicts, difficult situations. And I think, you know, with everything related to the Ukraine invasion, it's worth listening to. Uh, so, yeah, super excited. Wonderful. So we're really happy and proud to, to have this new show on. And thank you, Roland, for 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 uh, creating it uh, for us. All right. Uh, this has been a, a, a long and packed uh, episode of the Scanner Mind Weekly. Uh, we'll be back next week with more observation. Please sign up to our newsletter. Visit scannermind.com slash newsletter to stay updated. Uh, until next week. Uh, have a nice weekend, guys. Stay safe, guys. See you.